And I looked at my life. I was like, you're doing great. Like all the stuff that you're doing is much more stable. People aren't stealing from you anymore. You're like, you've got a great group, a mastermind. And, and by the way, we have a mastermind for our Amazon course for anyone's interested. You got a great mastermind. You got good, good men around you that have your back that are looking out for you. Like everything in your life is good. It's, it's an illusion to chase that one big hit. And I realized this through hanging out with this guy who's a great guy and, and thinking to myself, man, you know, I'm him. I'm, I'm the same guy. I'm chasing this, this illusion. And when I let that go, I thought, wow, I've, I, I've arrived again, but now it's more stable. Now I'm at a place where I can start my legacy building, my foundational thinking. And that's what I did. And from that point forward, my life was much more stable. It wasn't like rocket to the moon, you know, press everywhere, paparazzi, you know, 15 minutes of fame. But that's okay because what I learned is that money is best made quietly. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan coming to you from my home studio here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. I'm in Gallatin, Tennessee, and I've got a great guest for you today. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, when I when I I don't remember how we got connected. I know that uh, Brad Lee was on my show uh, last year and, and uh, my guest today, Shaheen, has been on his show. And I'm not sure if that's how we got. I'm not sure how it worked out. But I know that when I was reading his bio, I'm like, how how am I how did I get connected with this person? But what you're going to hear in this in the show today is an amazing story that while it might start in a place that you wouldn't think uh, I would start a show with. It's going to end up in a fantastic place. So let me introduce you to Shaheen Cheyenne. Uh, during the Iranian Revolution of 1978, his family had to escape to survive, and they ended up over here in the United States in uh, Los Angeles, actually. And then at age 15, he left home. He said, I, you know, the life that I want to live is never going to be supplied by me living at home with my family, so I'm going to go out and do it on my own. So he's living in the car. And what you're going to hear on the story today is he was able to develop a legendary smart drug known as herbal ecstasy. And it's all legal. He was able to do it legal and made billions of dollars as a result of creating this legal drug that was used in the 90s party scene, the rave scene. It was a competitor to the illegal drugs that were out there, and he was doing it in a legal, in a legal way. And then he uh, went on to create... Uh, something called digital vaporization, which was the precursor to vapes. And you're going to hear him talk about what his opinion is on that today about drugs and vapes and all that kind of stuff. Because again, if you've listened to me for long enough, you'd know, well, why are you interviewing that guy? Well, 
stick with me. There's a lot of really cool stuff here. And he's going to share some insight that I think you'll find very interesting. But today he doesn't do any of that stuff. He's the founder and CEO of Accelerated Intelligence Incorporated, which is a major Amazon FBA seller with millions in sales. Uh, and he leads, a, he's the lead coach at Amazon Mastery, where he teaches entrepreneurs how to crush it on Amazon, e-commerce, the internet in general. He's considered one of the leading global minds on what's next in e-commerce, Amazon, and the internet. And he's described as the Willy Wonka of Generation X. He and I are both Generation X guys, Gen X guys. And he's been described as that by both the London Observer and Newsweek magazine. Uh, Newsweek calls him one of the most forward thinkers in business. And his Amazon Mastery course, which he's going to talk about at the uh, during the end of the show today, he, re he put that, uh, that course together because he really understands and realizes the trends in Amazon. He started his first reseller account in 2009. So he's been doing this longer, just about longer than anybody else. Uh, never wanted to forget his roots. Shaheen continues to champion and mentor burgeoning entrepreneurs looking to enhance their revenue. And he gives his, in the show today, his four pillars of foundational wealth. So you want to pay attention to that. So Help me in welcoming my guest today, Shaheen Cheyenne. Well, Shaheen, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to talk to you, dude. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's an honor. I'm excited. Well, we, we were talking pre-show uh, about, uh, about your you know, experience with Amazon. And the show's not about me, of course. This is about you. But I've got, we were sharing my, my woes about Amazon. But you seem to have, as the name on your t-shirt tells us, you have mastered <laughs> you've mastered the Amazon thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, for sure, on the root of all success. But I want to go back to your origins. Of course, I, I read, I was telling everybody in the in the intro about your background and how you guys came from Iran. You went to LA and then, and then you went out on your own at 15. I would love to know a little bit about that. Like what, why, why did you leave at 15? What was the precursor to that? And, and then kind of tell me, I, people, people love to hear that stories. So what happened? What, why, why did you leave at 15? What was going on? And cause I, I know that formed you into the man you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So we came here during the Iranian revolution. My, my folks were uh, Iranian Jews. We are Iranian Jews, I should say. And fearing persecution, they were like, hey, let's 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 go somewhere where we can have ultimate freedom to believe whatever we want to believe and do whatever we want to do and give our give our kids an opportunity to have a leg up in the world. So we left literally overnight, left everything that we had. My dad worked for a, a big uh, accounting firm. My mom was working for Lockheed at the time. And we just left and came to the United States with basically the clothes on our back. My dad had to work odd jobs. He worked at a pizza place. He worked at a dry cleaners, which ended up working for 35 years. And while we were middle class in Iran, we realized that we were super poor in the United States. When we got here, we were, you know, lower class, poor working class people. And you know, we always had had ability to make ends meet because my, my folks hustled. My dad worked. My mom was a homemaker, but you know, we never had new clothes. We never ate out. It was all very, very conservative living. And they managed to buy a house in an area that was up and coming. By the time I was uh, 15, I saw this wealth around me. LA was in a boom. There was money everywhere. And as a, as a teenager, I was like, dude, I want some of that. I want the Porsche and the beautiful blonde in the in the passenger seat driving down PCH. I want the fancy house on the beach. I want all that. And there was no path for me to that. So I decided to leave. 
Wow. So you just made a big decision. So your parents seemed like they were, when they were in Iran, they were doing pretty well, but to escape what was impending danger and threat of danger and persecution came over here and then just ended up living in kind of a, just a hand to mouth, like, you know, paycheck to paycheck life. And you didn't think that was going to lead to the next thing. So when did your entrepreneurial and uh, engagement start when did that happen was that as a teenager when you decided at 15 hey i'm out of here i'm going to lead to a better life or i'm going to go start a business or what did you do when you left well well so that was that that's that's interesting because when we came here it was during the iran contra a lot of prejudice a lot of uh, uh people did not like iranians in the 1980s and <laughs> i would go to school and i thought the purpose of going to school was to get my daily ass kicking like I would go to school every single day, get my ass kicked just for, just for not being white, just for being brown, just for, just for being from Iran. I get my ass kicked. And every time I got knocked down, I'd come back up. I'd be like, you know what? They might kick my ass today. They might kick my ass tomorrow, but they're not going to, they're not going to break me. And every single day I became just a little bit tougher. And then I discovered martial arts and I started training martial arts and I started learning discipline and how important that was in my life. And through that, through the martial arts and through learning discipline, I began to read other books of other successful people, the old timey guys. I started reading Napoleon Hill and Ogmandino. I then discovered Tony Robbins and, and Wayne Dyer and this guy, Stuart Wilde, who wrote this book called The Trick to Money is Having Some. And I called up a bunch of those guys, the, the ones that were alive, and I got them to, to mentor me. I made them my friends. And by the time I was 15, I was like, dude, there's got to be a better way. I, I can't keep doing what I've been doing and, and succeed in any way. The, the only way this is going to lead is to like debt and, and absolute opposite of what I want to achieve. So I had to burn my ships. I remember reading in uh, Think and Grow Rich where Napoleon Hill talks about how Napoleon burned his ships. And I thought to myself, man, you know, I got to do that. So I just took off. I cut ties with my family, my friends. I had nowhere to live, nowhere to eat, nothing to eat, um, and just left trying to seek my fame and fortune the way that, that I always understood that it could be done. So when you just left like that, did you, do you still have any ties with your family at all or, or back then? Yeah. No, no, I didn't talk to anybody. I just left. I was 15. I managed to convince a dude to sell me an old Lincoln Continental, uh, one of the ones with the suicide doors. The thing barely ran, and it broke down on me not too far from where I used to live. And so I would sleep in the car. You could fold down this little area in the back seat, slide into the trunk. I had the pages of all these great self-help books taped to the uh, top of the trunk, the, the ceiling of the trunk, and I would read it with a flashlight every single day. And I'd be hungry. My stomach would be grumbling. I didn't have enough to eat. I just read those pages every night. And I started learning that you could go to the community college, uh, San Monica College down here in LA, and every day they would have something going on where they'd be given free food. So I was like, this is awesome. And I could go hang out in the classes. Nobody would check and I'd get free food and there'd be all kinds of girls there. It was, it was, it was spectacular. And, and, you know, they'd have nice showers and it was fantastic. So I was like, all right, let me, let me do this. I managed to find a mentor, somebody who was quite an impactful person in my life. And through him, I got involved in the electronic music scene, the dance scene, the rave scene that was going on at that time. And quickly I discovered 
that the musicians, the property owners, the party throwers, the promoters, none of them were making money. But the people who were making money were the drug dealers. So I thought to myself, let me do that. That answers all my questions. I get the car, I get the girls, I get the watches. That's like the whole thing. That's, that's everything. That's my answer. And then I, I look back to my adolescence. And in my adolescence, I had a brief stint in crime, a brief career in crime where me and all these other kids that didn't belong, all these misfits, all these kids that got the shit kicked out of them every day, decided to start a little game. We'd go into the lo- local liquor store and we would steal a bunch of contraband. Well, the little bottles of alcohol and yeah. nudie magazines and uh, gum and whatever we could. And we would sell it at school. I quickly learned that I was very good at making money. Making money came easy to me. But I was a terrible effing criminal. I would constantly get caught. Every single time I would get caught. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, Dude, you're just bad at crime. Like you should not be involved in crime. There's people that are good at crime. Let them do crime. Like crime is not for you. And so now I'm 15. I'm in the club. I'm thinking of selling ecstasy. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, just look back. You're not good at crime. That's crime. It's not going to end well for you. Like you, you probably <laughs> you're going to get caught, man. You're going to get you're caught. Gonna, <laughs> you're going to get caught. It's not going to end well. And then it, it hit me. It was like uh, uh, one of those like light bulb moments where it was like, you know, the biggest party drug at that time was ecstasy. Uh, and the supply of it had dried up. I was at the right place at the right time. And all these drug dealers had nothing to sell. So there was a supply issue. I thought, if I could find a legal alternative to this, if I could create a legal version of this using all natural herbs, all organic materials, I could do pretty well if it worked just a little. So I went about the process of discovery. How do you do that? How do you come up with a product? How do you put it in a pill? And I managed somehow, I was broke and without a place to live, getting myself a girlfriend. Her dad was some stuffy superintendent, had some suit and tie job, and he would leave early in the morning. She would sneak me in. As he left through the front door, I would sneak in through the back door, cooking up prototypes in her kitchen and trying them out on all the teenagers in the neighborhood until we got a formula that worked. And then I went into the clubs. And I started enlisting the drug dealers. I went up to the scariest guy I saw at that time. I remember my palms sweating, my face sweating, thinking, this dude's going to effing kill me, man. This guy's going to kill me. And just not moving, feet planted to the ground, staring him in the eye until he started selling it. And it worked. Went from one guy to a thousand guys to tens of thousands of guys. And just short six months, a year later, I was making hundreds of millions of dollars. We were in what? all the clubs, all the parties, all the rapes. Here's a, uh, it's on the cover of my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrillpoke Cult. That's a picture of me back in those days uh, oh, taken by, yeah, famous photographer, David LaChapelle. For anybody who's interested, my book is out. It's called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrillpoke Cult, available on Amazon, Audible, wherever it's found. So if you guys want to check it out, check it out. But I remember I had a collection of exotic cars at that time. Remember, I had nothing. I had a collection of exotic cars. Ferraris, Lamborghinis. I had the new NSX. That was one of my favorite cars. Oh, yeah. And I, I, yeah, yeah. And I, I fell asleep. I would sleep like two hours. I was in the parking lot of my office. I had 200 employees. All of Venice Beach was employed by me. I mean, if you could fog up a mirror, you'd be, I'd put a butterfly shirt on you. It said ecstasy. You'd be working for me. And uh, I remember falling asleep on 
the uh, driver's seat drooling on the passenger seat of my Lamborghini, bad luck, stepping into my office. Sam Donaldson from Nightline was outside waiting to interview me, the great White House correspondent, uh, New York Times, LA Times, Newsweek. We had two Newsweek covers all there to interview me. And the news had gotten out that we had broke a billion dollars in revenue. This is pre-internet, pre-social media. What year, what year was this? What year was this? This was in the 90s. It would be like around 95-ish. And how old were you? I was in my teens. So 95, I'd probably be 20. So we're the same age. So we're both yeah. Gen Xers, born in 75, right? Yeah, 75. Okay. Yeah. So, so here you are, Venice Beach. You've created this legal ecstasy drug, that, and you have just broke a billion dollars. Yeah. Holy. Oh, my gosh. Holy. Okay. Continue the story. I don't even have a question to ask. Just I don't want to go over on. your two minutes. Uh-uh, I, I, I talk forever. Okay. So <laughs> uh, I walk into the office, like half groggy, just a couple hours of sleep, neck a little stiff. Lamborghinis are not comfortable cars, especially from that era. And I remember thinking to myself, holy, you know what? I have no idea how much a billion dollars is. Zero. Like, I don't know exactly what that means. Like, literally. And then I, I was like, dude, I got to figure out, I got to learn. And it was before internet, you can check it on your phone. I was like, I got to figure out how much a billion dollars is before these guys interview me. And the, the second part of it, uh, my attorney came down. I was like, just tell them it's 350 million. Don't say a billion. Don't say a billion. And I was like, all right. So all the, all the articles and stuff came out and they, they, they talked about that. The second thing I learned is that you should really have an accountant, like a good accountant. And I didn't have an accountant. And I quickly started interviewing accountants just to learn, and this is an important lesson, I think, for anybody who's business-oriented. Accounts are not the guys, not the guys that count the cash and separate the cash and the pills in the duffel bags that are stacked in your office to the ceiling. That is not what those guys do. No. So important, important lesson for me yes. to learn. But those were those were the times. And I, again, you know, I write about it in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pop Cult. There was a time where the Yakuza, the Japanese mob, tried to take over our business. We had lots of run-ins with the government. Uh, it was a wild time. We were making so were, But you were making this stuff in Venice Beach with your team, and it was 100% legal, right? I, I, I'd assume. But, but, but it had the same effect as the illegal ecstasy. Is that what this means? That's right. That was? That's right. Yeah. We were making it all over the country at that stage. By the time we got to a few million bucks, I had factories set up all over. And part of my thinking was if they ever shut down one, they can't kill our supply chain. So I had offices in 32 countries and we were producing different batches in different countries, just like Coca-Cola. You know, they've got a bottling plant in, in Milwaukee. They got one in Tennessee. They got one in California. We were producing right. it all over the country. And I was making it for 25 cents. That was my cost. My COGS was 25 cents. We were selling it to 20 to $25 cash business all day long. When I tell you literally truckloads of money, we were making truckloads of money. Whoa. So how do you handle that as a 20-year-old who doesn't have any business acumen? I mean, you just had a, you had a dream and a, and a passion to follow. I want to I drive the Lamborghinis and the Porsches, and I want to have the blonde in the passenger seat. This is what I want. How do I achieve it legally? And because you were a terrible criminal, you achieved it. But how did you handle it? That sounds like, to me, you, you end up like the dude Wolf of Wall Street, right? You're just losing your mind and everything burns down around you. But yeah. it didn't, did it? I mean, we're here. So no, I, you know, I, and it's funny because we just got a film deal for the book and I'm excited about it coming out as a film, a feature, a series, whatever they want to do. 
Uh, and, and the question they keep asking is, okay, so when did it all go wrong? When did it all fall apart? And I'm like, well, it didn't exactly all fall apart. Like that's great for movies and stories, but it actually went pretty well and made a bunch of money. So what happened towards the end was that the government was very aggressive and they kept banning my ingredients and <clears throat> they couldn't ban it because it wasn't illegal. They didn't know what to do. Nobody had ever come up with the idea of using a vitamin, a supplement recreationally. It just wasn't something that was in their books. So they, they tried to get the DEA, didn't do anything. They tried to get the FDA, didn't do anything. So what they decided on is, hey, we'll just ban ingredients until he's got to quit. And that's what they did eventually. And eventually I quit and I went on to uh, inventing digital vaporization, which is the forerunner for all the vapes, and then moved on to uh, uh, bigger and greener pastures when Jeff Bezos opened up the Amazon platform to third-party sellers. Yeah. And so that's where you are today. So the herbal ecstasy is in the past. You made your billions through that. Um, you know, you did a little bit of the digital vaporization in the middle, but now you're the Amazon mastery guy. So how did that start for you? Was that just another thing that you saw, just like you saw the drug dealers were the ones making the money in the nineties in the clubs? What it was, was it, did you have that foresight to look at what Jeff was building with Amazon to say, okay, now he's not just selling books, his books, he's going to open it up to me to sell my stuff. Did you see that or, or was it, and I, I don't, I refuse to say that it was luck, but I mean, did you, did you see it and like calculate, I'm going to do this or were you just, let me give this a shot. I think this might work. What, what kind of where, where how would you classify? It's, how it's you a class? really cool story. So let me tell you. So, so I, I think I neglected to answer your last question. So I'll answer it really quickly. You asked me how I handled it and I think I handled it pretty well, but I could have handled it better. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, and again, I write the story in my book, people stole millions and millions of dollars from me, even attorneys accounts, everybody, you know, when you're a teenager or, or just past a teenager and you have hundreds of millions of dollars and are running a big company, everybody wants to have their hand in what you're doing. And that's why I could feel for guys like you look at Justin Bieber and you look at like all these young guys that are like super successful and you're like, holy shit, man. They, they, I hope they have some great people around them uh, who are looking out for them because otherwise they get taken advantage of. It's just something that happens and, and you grow and you learn and it doesn't happen again. So mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I've become wiser to that. Okay. So to answer your question. So after the vaporizer, I, that company went public. I sold just before. Uh, I was one of the first vaporizer companies to go public. It, it was the trailblazer for all vapes and e-cigs that you see out there. And by the way, I don't espouse anybody use any of that stuff. You know, from the guy who invented it, it's, I don't think the healthiest thing to do. Well, hey, uh, well, since you brought that up, I wasn't going to yeah. go there because I didn't want to talk about it unless you did. But so, yeah. so just to be for the record, you're saying I do not recommend the vapes and the e-cigs. No, you know, I invented the technology as a harm reduction measure. And it really is if what you're doing is just heating up plant material and inhaling it, in my opinion. Again, everybody should consult with their doctor. But uh, the problem comes when you, you get into an economy where people are trying to save money and make things smaller and more economical, and then they mix it with other things. And there's no way to stop that. And, yeah. and those ingredients, we don't know what the, what the effects are on people's lungs. We just don't. Yeah. There haven't been enough studies. There hasn't been enough time. It may or may not be well. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm of the mind that we should take care of our bodies the best that we can. And to do that, really, two things can occupy the same space at the same time. Your lungs are intended to take in fresh, clean air, and that's it. So that's where I would come from. But, you know, as a harm reduction measure, 
it, it's it, it it has potential, but you really got to know what you're using. So, yeah. So for, so like you probably invented it to to the harm reduction measure. I would assume. You know, people are smoking cigarettes. So how do we get them off the nicotine and the chemicals in our cigarette to 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 do the same sort of function where they're inhaling something, but it's it's better for them than the nicotine and the tar and all the all the chemicals. And that to me was the way vapes, the way I've never vaped before. I'm not, I'm also not a smoker, but I, I do smoke cigars, but you don't inhale those things. But, but I think that with vapes, I think they were positioned just as you said, is, Hey, this is better than cigarettes. But now I think we're getting study and data that's coming out that's saying, no, these are actually worse. You'd be better off smoking a cigarette in most cases because the heavy metals that you're inhaling. So anyway, that's just an aside that I was curious about because when yeah. I, when you know we we don't know each other before the show, sure. and so I'm reading your I'm reading your <laughs> I'm reading your intro. And I'm thinking, okay, this dude invented legal drugs. He invented vapes. I'm like, what? And who am I interviewing? Who is this guy coming on my show? So I'm glad that you said that. We're gonna take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. So now let's go into greener pastures, as you called it. So with Amazon. So how did you tell me how yeah. you got into that? So uh, I became a father uh, about eight years ago and Congrats. I realized, thanks. And I realized, man, you know, I, I uh, my cognitive performance isn't where it used to be when I was in my 20s. I'm sure you feel that when you when you get to that age and, you know, just just having to be present for another human being in the way that fathers are. It, it, it was a crazy time for me. And I remember thinking, man, like I'm better than this. I'm better than being a low, low cognitive performer. I need to step up my game. And I did it the way I knew how, which was to invent a, a supplement, a brain supplement that was one of the best in the world. Still, I, I feel it still is. It's called Accelerol. It's available on Amazon if anyone wants to try it. Um, E-X-C-E-L-E-R-O-L. So I decided that I was going to come out with a supplement. Back in those days, the ingredients were much more expensive than they are now. Now it's much more affordable. But back then it cost 120 bucks uh, retail to buy a box of it. And I thought it's going to be a tough sell because that's a lot of money and you got to do it every month for, for something that really works in the supplement world. And this was back before Bezos was the sexy strapping bald man that he is now. That was, that was, that was before he was this, this, this wall street stud back then he was a Silicon Valley nerd or so it seemed. He was very accessible. You could email him Jeff at amazon.com, which by the way, I'm going to uh, talk to you about that a little bit off air, but you could reach out to Jeff and Jeff would get back to you. He would return every single email. Sometimes it would take a month or two, but he would, his assistants would get back to you. If you wanted to have a call with him, it wasn't, beyond the realm of possibilities, you'd be able to get on the phone. So we heard through the grapevine that Jeff was opening up the platform to third-party sellers. Whereas before it was just him selling books on there and CDs and DVDs and stuff. Now anybody could sell anything and just give them a little bit of a commission and you're good to go. I'll tell you, it took me, Jason, 15 minutes to start an account, list a product. The whole thing took 15 minutes. So I listed it on there. I didn't think much about it. I was like, oh, this will be cool. I went to sleep. I woke up to thousands of orders. This is back in the day where Amazon was going for user acquisition. They wanted members. So what they were doing is anybody that put anything on there, they would blow hundreds of thousands of dollars of advertising dollars on Google, on Facebook, wherever to draw in customers because they didn't care if they bought your products, they bought diapers, they bought cigar accessories, whatever it was, they didn't care as long as that person became an Amazon customer and they didn't care what it cost, customer acquisition was fine. It cost them a hundred bucks, great. A thousand bucks, great. They're going to make it back later. And 
So what happened was we had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of orders. And I thought something about this is very interesting. Let me look more into this Bezos guy. Turns out this guy wasn't a chump. This guy was one of the, if not the smartest guy in the room. He was a disruptor. And what he was doing was taking money from Wall Street and putting it into Silicon Valley, taking cheap money from Wall Street, putting it into Silicon Valley in a way that nobody else had and creating a disruptive e-commerce environment, something that has never been seen since the likes of Piggly Wiggly. This, this guy was going to change e-commerce forever. And as I looked at it, the more and more I looked at it, I said, holy cow, this guy is going to create more millionaires, more billionaires in our time than any other e-commerce platform. So I went all in. I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put all my eggs in the Amazon basket, and I'm going to learn how to master this platform. And we did. Accelerol became the first and biggest brain supplement on there. We moved on to a product called Matcha Tea. We're still one of the biggest Matcha Tea brands out there on Amazon. Oh, really? Selling this, uh, yeah, this, this delicious green tea. Our brand's called Matcha DNA for anybody that's interested. And we sell millions of dollars of it every year. It's one of the, the, it's one of the best products out there, but also I think one of the best selling products on Amazon. And then brands started coming to us. Companies started coming to us and saying, hey, could you do this for us? Big brands, big companies saying, we've got no, we're lost in the Amazon ecosphere. We have no idea how this works. We, we're used to disruption marketing. We're used to knocking on your door in the middle of the Super Bowl and being like, hey, you want some sugar water? No, okay. Two more minutes later. Hey, you want some sugar water? Hey, if I make you laugh, will you buy some sugar water? That's what the brands were used to doing. And now Amazon, the great equalizer, had changed everything. A guy like you or me, could now come on with our own sugar water and compete with these big, big companies. Mm -hmm. So what, so what happened? What happened is, is that all these brands got lost. They had no idea what to do. These big mega companies didn't know how to compete. Their, their billions and billions of dollars in ad spend didn't matter anymore because anybody with just a little bit of money could compete in the Amazon environment. So now we're, we've got an agency, we're managing all these fortune fifties, fortune 500s, VCs are bringing us startups to accelerate them to, to do the Amazon platform for them. And people are coming to me saying, Hey, Shaheen, I, I want to do this. You know, I, I'd like to, to have something on the side or my wife's out of work. I, I'd love to have her do this while I'm doing my thing, you know, uh, or, you know, my kid, I got to keep my kid out of my hair. I'd love to give him something to do. He doesn't want to work at Starbucks. Yeah, how, can you, can you do this for us? I said, well, no, we charge a lot of money. <laughs> you can't afford us. So somebody gave me the idea of, hey, put it into an online course. That's what we did. So now we've got a course, a mentoring. Uh, it's called FBA Seller Course, fbasellercourse.com for anybody that's interested. And I actually have, I created a one-hour course. It's what anybody needs from A to Z, how to start an Amazon company, where to incorporate, how to get reviews, all that stuff, how to find a product. And you know what? Let's let's for everybody who's on your show, if you use the code the real Jason Duncan, and I'll give my email, we're gonna give that to you for free. It's a, normally 200 bucks, but we're gonna give it no credit card needed, nothing like that, no obligation for free. You guys can reach out to me on my email if that's okay, Jason. Yep. It's darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com reach out to me and I'll give you the one hour course for free. Just mention in the subject heading, the real Jason Duncan. Man, that's very generous of you. So when did you start the Amazon mastery? When did you go in? Cause Amazon started in the early nineties, started well, mid nineties, I guess. And then when did they open up the platform to third parties and you drop Accelerol on there? It was around 2009, Bezos opened it up to third-party platforms and uh, third-party sellers. And it was a, a, on a limited basis. You couldn't sell everything, but there were some things. 
Supplements were one of the products that they were very interested in getting involved in. So that was an easy one for us to enter. And yeah, Jason, I've been, I've been doing this game since 2009, one of the wow. oldest sellers. And, and now every dude with a TikTok account, I, I, I watch the ads hit my account. They're like, want to make money? Want to get rich? Sell Amazon. Look at my Lamborghini. Sell Amazon. Look at my Lamborghini. Amazon. And I'm like, oh man, I, I've been doing this since 2009. <laughs> like this guy, this guy. And they do the drop shipping though, is the main yes. thing that they do. And it, it's 99% of the time a scam. So it, it ends up, it ends up not netting them, not netting the customers what they want, but it sells courses. And, and, and really the way to make money, I talk about this a lot with my students is that you got to think of foundational wealth. And that's what we teach. This is just one leg in a four pillar foundation. You got to have some money in cash flow positive real estate, which we teach you how to do. You got to have some money in the markets, compounding interest. You got to have a job or a trust fund or some way where you don't have to worry about money. And then the fourth pillar is having an e-commerce business, which brings in predictable recurring revenue streams. So I'm making notes. So what was the second? You got cash flow flowing real estate. And then uh, what was the second one? Uh, Compounding interest, money that's working for you without you having to put time and energy into it. And you, you recommend that in the uh, stock market or is there another way you recommend? Yeah. It? So there's, uh, there's lots of ways. I'm not a, I, I was a trader for a while. I traded futures, commodities, options, those kinds of things. Now I, let, I leave that to the professionals, but yeah, anything that's bringing you uh, some amount of money. Some people do dividend investing, anything where your money is compounding. Like you look at Warren Buffett, the reason why he's one of the richest men in the world and his, his wealth is so big is because he started investing at such such a young age. He started investing when he was just a kid, and that money's compounding still till this day. And yeah. the power of that is is incredible. So I think what you're saying there, Shaheen, is that these four things: the cash flowing real estate, compounding interest, some sort of active hours income, and then some passive income through e-commerce. That sounds uh, to me as someone like you know, we're both entrepreneurs at heart. That totally makes sense. And that's why I'm trying to build my empire, my foundational wealth or generational wealth, as I would refer to it as. But so many entrepreneurs, here's, I want, I want to see what you think about this. So many entrepreneurs, he see the guys on Instagram and YouTube and like, hey, the, the average millionaire has seven sources of income. And the problem with that is, while true, while true, it's like they didn't have it day one. So don't go start seven things today. Get, get one, focus which stands for follow one course until successful, get that thing going. And dude, I'm the worst person at following my own advice, (laughs) but I wonder what you think about this idea of the seven sources of income or seven streams of income versus, Hey, when you're getting started, just figure out how to get it active hours and then figure out to go to the passive and then do some compounding interest and then do real estate. What do you think? Yeah, I'll tell you. So here's the interesting and I'll like it to diet. I'm a big fan of taking care of yourself and eating right. And when you look at diet books, they all espouse a very specific thing, right? Eat carnivore, eat vegetarian, eat this, eat that, South yeah. Beach diet, uh, keto diet. There's all these different things. And then they sell you shit, right? Excuse my language. They sell you stuff. <laughs> so why do they do that? Okay. They do that because it's not profitable to tell the truth. What's the truth about diet? The truth about diet is what you should be eating probably is different than what I should be. There's some general things, right? We shouldn't eat crap. You shouldn't eat sugar. You shouldn't eat fried foods. Like there's some things that are common across everybody. Like nobody should be eating that stuff. But the amount of that stuff that you could eat and tolerate, it's going to be different for everybody. 
So the best diet for you or the best diet for me is going to be so specifically tailored to my body, my DNA, what makes my body feel good, what makes this machine run optimally, that it will never be profitable for somebody to come out with a book like that. They'll, they'll make a book for seven people. It's not, it's not going to work. So they have to have these general things. So similar, I'm correlating this to business. In business, people have these ideas where they're like, okay, so just give it to me black and white. Okay, how many, like seven streams of income, five secrets that I need for this. And it's not that way. It's, it's going to be dependent on who you are, your personality, your aptitude, where you are in life. All these things make a difference. Right. Are you a father of three kids and, and a family guy? Or are you a single guy that's like traveling the world, living a lifestyle? These, these things are very different. And what you'll be doing is going to be very different. So yeah, you should have several streams of income. And, and it's funny, from a guy that's made over a billion dollars in his lifetime, and I've lost a lot of it, and I've rebuilt myself several times, and I've done all that. It hasn't all been uh, uh, you know, roses. There, there have been incredible failures in my life where I've been like, fuck, how did I do that? But- <laughs> Looking back, I realized there was a period in my life, and this was a period after herbal ecstasy. Remember, teenager, over a billion dollars in profit, well-documented, money everywhere, traveling around literally with rock stars, movie stars, yachts, private planes, all that stuff. And then looking back, realizing that for a number of years, Shaheen, you've been chasing that for years. Now, after that, I started making good money, like millions and millions of dollars again, and rebuilt myself and very successful, but nothing ever had that, that, that pop that that company had. And I found myself chasing that. And then one day, and this is very interesting. Maybe if he watches this, he'll, he'll comment on it, but I was making a movie. I had a film production company and I was making a movie with vanilla ice, you know, the, the rapper, which by the way, still to this day is one of the best selling rappers of all time because of that one song. I think only Eminem has surpassed him because he broke through genres. He was, they played him on, on all kinds of radio stations. And I was making a film with him. Uh, it was a spoof of The Matrix. Terrible, terrible film. <laughs> and it was, it was worse than a B film. I, I thought it, would, it was so bad it would become a cult classic. But I was making this film, and I was hanging out with this guy who was, at his height, one of the most famous musicians of that generation, of that 90s era, for, for a very brief stint. And I looked at him and I thought, man, this guy just doesn't realize that he's got all this potential. And and afterwards, he made a bunch of money doing other things. So he's he's gotten smart, but he's just sitting there waiting for this next big thing. Like there's one big next thing, but he's got like 10 other deals on the side that could net him a lot more over a much longer time and build legacy for him way above and beyond this little noisy thing that – that is that it that, that has been right there in front of him. And I realized that that was me. I was chasing this idea of this next big thing. And I don't think, especially now in history, that that's relevant. I, and, and I looked at my life, I was like, you're doing great. Like all the stuff that you're doing is much more stable. People aren't stealing from you anymore. You're like, you've got a great group, a mastermind. And, and by the way, we have a mastermind for our Amazon course for anyone who's interested. You've got a great mastermind. You've got good, good men around you that have your back, that are looking out for you. Like everything in your life is good. It's, it's an illusion to chase that one big hit. And I realized this through hanging out with this guy who's a great guy and, and thinking to myself, man, you know, I'm him. I'm, I'm the same guy. I'm chasing this, this illusion. And when I let that go, I thought, wow, I've, I, I've arrived again. 
but now it's more stable. Now I'm at a place where I can start my legacy building, my foundational thinking. And that's what I did. And from that point forward, my life was much more stable. It wasn't like rocket to the moon, you know, press everywhere, paparazzi, you know, 15 minutes of fame. But that's okay because what I learned is that money is best made quietly. Ooh, that's a good quote. I was giving you a sound bite there. That's that's good. We're gonna the editors (laughs) will take that and run with it, I'm sure. Mine and yours both. So this is a this is really cool. So you just mentioned the word success a couple of times in that in that statement in that story about about vanilla ice and his success and then your success and how you uh how you changed the what you were chasing in order to get to that success again so how do you define that word success what what would you say that means to you yeah i got an answer because i think about this all the time success to me is freedom I chase freedom. I don't chase success. I chase excellence. I don't chase success. And I'll tell you why. For me, the thing that's most important isn't how other people define success. It's actually not even how I define success. All that matters for me is having freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, and how I want. Those are the elements. And now, you know, always family first. The most important thing to me is my family and being able to spend time with them, being able to spend time with my boy, being able to travel the world and really have us as a family enjoy these experiences that enrich our lives uh, is, is the number one priority. And that's, that's where I focus on right now. I, I have the cars and the houses and the money and all that stuff. I'm not worried about that. But the second part of my process is being able to inspire other people to create the kind of lifestyle that they want to create this freedom. And that's why I have the, the Amazon course. So anybody who's interested, please reach out to me for that. So with that as a definition, do you consider yourself a successful person? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think a successful person isn't somebody who hasn't failed to the contrary. It's somebody who thrives on failure. And I think that's one of the qualities that I've learned about myself is that I'm still that kid, and I write about this in my book. I'm still that kid who's getting knocked down in the playground. And every knockdown, every time I'm knocked down in that playground, I get back up. It makes me tougher. Every time they hit me and they don't kill me, it makes me stronger. And it's that type of resilience that I feel for a great part is missing from our current society, from all this like woke culture, all this like, hey, everybody's okay and you get a prize just for participating. It's like the the business world doesn't work that way. That's not how the world works. The world is predatory. The world is aggressive. There are people out there waiting to have your lunch and you have to be aggressive. You have to be ruthless. And when I say ruthless, I don't mean in your tact to other people. It's good to be kind. It's good to be loving to other people, but you have to be ruthless to yourself. You have to be ruthless in your own discipline, in how you go out there and you approach your life, your business. And that's where the part comes in, where you don't chase money, you don't chase success, you chase excellence. And then the world comes to you. 
You know, us, us Gen Xers, we are the, we're the forgotten generation. Nobody pays attention to us anymore. It's the boomers we're paid attention to. And then the millennials are paid attention to, but you know, we're that we're in that in between and we didn't get the trophy for showing up. We, we, you know, we were told that we weren't any good at it. I don't think you should play soccer, son. You're not that good. We, that was the conversations we had Uh, today. It's so different. And I think that what you talked about with what success is and not chasing it, but defined it as freedom, being able to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, and how you want to do it. I think 100% agree. And I think the listeners to the show know that that's what success is for most people. We can define it in different ways, uh, but the, the, but what we're trying to achieve here is freedom. We want freedom. We want choices. We want control over our destiny. And if entrepreneurs will build their businesses the right way, set them up correctly, scale them correctly, they can have that. And I love that that's what you're talking about. As someone who's eclipsed my success with lots of zeros on the end of it, I, I am appreciative of the fact that you and I agree on, on, those, uh, on those points of what success is. So now let me, I want to kind of turn for the last few minutes of our show together, I want to turn our attention to my theory of success, my theory on how entrepreneurs like you, like me, and like the listeners, how do they achieve success? So I've got this theory, Shaheen, I spent years uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, an accidental entrepreneur, creating a successful company and, and then going, how did I do this? And I started interviewing other people. How did you do it? How did you do it? And I found that these five keys started showing up in every single person's story, no matter what they kind of business they built, whether it was <laughs> legal drugs <laughs> or whether it was, you know, selling airplanes or, or real estate, whatever it happened to be, these five keys showed up every single time that they unlocked success. So when I discovered that and started seeing it happen, when I started the podcast, I thought, that's what I want to talk about. I want to, I want to dig into the stories of the origin of your success and then filter it through my idea, my theory. So I want to do that now. And I've been taking notes as you've been talking and I want to see, I'm going to, this is the point where I'll I'll do a little more talking than I normally do in the show, but because I think you've given me a lot of cool stuff here. So here are the five keys. The first one is passion. I believe that passion means willing to endure. That's actually where the word comes from. It means willing to endure. So if, if I look at your story, you unlock success because of your willingness to endure. You left home at 15 with nothing just because you wanted something. You laid in the back seat and then the trunk of that Lincoln Continental looking at the top of the trunk with a flashlight, reading those books, reading those inspirational people. To me, your life tells me that passion absolutely is a key to your unbelievable success, not only financially, but in a family. Do you agree that passion was one of your keys? Um, so it's interesting the way you define it as a, uh, willingness to endure, I would say, yes, I think the way it's typically defined, I would say maybe not as much. And the reason for that is passion is a real big keyword now, yeah. especially a keyword with like this kind of entrepreneurial set. Why as Scott Adams very aptly says in his books that, for most of these guys, you look at a guy like Elon Musk, you look at a guy like Mark Zuckerberg. And a reporter goes to them and says, hey, what, what's, what's the secret to your success? And that guy, Elon, or that guy, Mark, is standing there, or Bill Gates kind of guy is looking at them and going, dude, like, I'm just effing so much smarter than you. I'm so much, uh, you know, I, I, I work harder than you. I'm smarter than you. And I've got these advantages that you don't have. That's not PC. They can't say that because it makes the other people look small and them look big and they look like big a-holes on TV. So what do yeah. they say? The excuse that they give is something that's achievable to anybody. That's usually a cop-out. And they say, 
I'm just passionate. And if you're passionate about something, anything could happen. And I'll tell you this, I've got friends that are millionaires. I've got a couple friends that are actual billionaires. And the thing that they do, the businesses that they have, goose egg, zero passion for. They're passionate about the business. They're passionate about making the money. They're passionate about making deals, being in the buzz, doing all that stuff. But the businesses that they're in, their level of passion for it is like, so in that way, I think that's a long answer. But yeah, willingness to endure, resilience, absolutely. Well, the way we traditionally get the passion, maybe no. Yeah, so and that's exactly why I defined it the way I did, because so many people just say, follow your passion. No, listen, if you happen to like it and you have what we most people consider passionate about something, that's icing on the cake. That's fantastic. But that's not the key to success. The key to success starts with your ability and willingness to endure or even suffer for the thing you're trying to build. Because if you're going to quit, you're going to give up, you're never going to be successful. So that's the first key. The second key that I talk about is being at the right place at the right time. And you actually use that phrase in your story that in the 90s, when you're going to these raves, going to these parties, going to these clubs, you were at the right place at the right time because the supply, the drug supply. Now, of course, that's a negative thing, but the, 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 the supply broke down and you happen to be at the right place at the right time and took advantage of that, which is what your book Billion talks about. So I love that that, that is absolutely key. If you disagree with me, we're going to have words because that is absolutely key because you said it. You said it in, our, in your conversation. So the second key is, is being the right place at the right time. Here's the third. The third is knowing the right people. And the weird thing about this key is what I find is that a lot of people, when I say that, they think, well, you know, I'm just waiting on that right person. And they're usually thinking about it in terms of a positive person. If, if Bill Gates would just take my phone call, if Elon Musk would just take my phone call, he could be the right person. Well, sometimes the right people are the bullies that knock you down in the playground. And right. you've talked about that a lot in your story is that you are who you are because you got knocked down and it actually prepared you for success, which is one of the other keys I'll talk about in a minute. But, but I, is there anybody else in your story that you can look back positive or negative and go, yes, she or he are huge, huge keys to my success. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, um, and I love that uh, being at the right place at the right time and then knowing the right people. I think I, I agree with both of those. The first one I talk about in my book, I call it the principle of synchronicity. Also a great song by the police. Um, and knowing the right people is about your network, which also absolutely these these all work and they all fall into line with uh, the work of Professor Barabasi who wrote the book Success Formula, something I'd recommend to you, where he's, uh, from an academic standpoint, broken down the secrets to success. And his book is called The Success Formula, a fantastic book. He'd be a great guy to get on your show as well. We're going to have him on Hack and Grow Rich, which is our show. Um, but he'd be a great guy to get on as well. Uh, knowing the right people, for me, my first mentor, Ed, Ed Lawson, who was a great civil rights activist of the time, and just a unique human being, was a big mentor and an impact on my life. Uh, after that, I, I traveled to Mexico and hung out with the shamans, the medicine men. They don't call themselves shamans, but the medicine men of Mexico, a guy named Ejecatel. I made a film about him uh, called Serpent in the Sun. He was a good impact on my life. Stuart Wilde, uh, the great uh, author of um, uh, The Trick to Money is Having Some, a British author, was a, it was a big impact in my life. So all these guys kind of made up the fabric of the belief system that I have now. Well, I'm writing these books down and I hope that listeners are writing them down too. I love to read. 
And some of the books you're mentioning, I've not heard of before. So I'm going to have to go take a look at these. The final two keys, I'll, I'll kind of combine these. You got passion, place, and people. And they're all P's, by the way, because I was a former pastor and school teacher. So alliteration helps me remember stuff. But you got passion, being in the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. The last two are preparation and plan. And so the preparation is all about what's the, do you have the know-how to pull off what you're doing? And what I think about your preparation was that you did experience you know, uh, immigration from one country to another early on in your life because of potential threats to your livelihood, to your ability to live free. You live here and then you saw that the threat to your future was staying at home. And so you left that. So all, and then the bullies knocking you on the playground, all of that prepared you to be successful. And then herbal ecstasy prepared you to make sure that you did the next couple of businesses the right way, because you don't want people stealing from you because the plan which is the fifth key is all about how are you going to afford this? How are you going to make the money to do this? How, how's it going to, how are you going to get the financial resources? So you, you experience by not having the accountant because you just, all you had was a guy handling the duffel bags full of dollar bills. You need, you learned and prepared and had a plan now to do your next one. So those are my five keys. I think they, they line up quite nicely with your story of success. Do you feel like there's another key to your success that you could share with everybody today? I think that's it. I mean, I think in at, at the end of the day, you got to realize what you want in life. When you realize what you want, you got to realize why you want it. And then you've got to just take action. You've got to take crazy. Uh, uh, and by crazy, I mean something that's really impactful. You got to make a big action. And then it, it, it's about failure. It's not about success. It's about finding out where you go wrong and then making those tweaks until it starts to go right for you. Yeah. It's a common mistake. Like it's a rookie mistake to think that you're going to go out there and do something new and that you're going to succeed from the get-go. And if you fail, it just wasn't meant to be. Those are the people that fail. The people that succeed go out there and they know what they want. They know why they want it. And they're willing to hit that nail on the head as many times to make it go through that board. They might hit it with a rock. They might hit it with a hammer. They might have to hit it with a sledgehammer. They might have to drop a nuclear bomb, but that nail is going through that piece of wood. And if you come at it with that attitude, you can't fail because it works because we work it. It's going to work. When people go, okay, let me try and see if it works. I say, that's not how it, that's not how this works. This works. It works because you work it. You go out there and you make it happen. So you don't tell me, I'm going to go out there and see how it's going to go. You say, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make this succeed. And I might fail today. I might fail tomorrow. They might knock me down today. Competition might come. They might close my account. They might do this. They might do that. But regardless of what they do, I'm going to get up. I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to come out ahead. And if you have that attitude, you can't lose. Love that, man. So normally at this point in the show, I'd ask for some advice that you would give to entrepreneurs. You did it preempted. You preempted my question, but that is... That is great advice. Run this back, hit the 30 second backs uh, button on your podcast player and listen to that again. Shaheen, that was, that was fantastic. So you gave your uh, email address earlier. I'm going to repeat it. It's darkzess, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. So if anybody wants to reach out to Shaheen, they can reach him there. Is there other ways that you want people to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So if you guys want the course, use the code, the real Jason Duncan, darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S -S at gmail.com. Reach out to me uh, and I'll give you that course for free. If you want, we also have a podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. We're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. So check us out there. 
And additionally, uh, you guys can go onto my website, shaheenshan.com. If you're interested in a more advanced Amazon course, we have a course called fbasellercourse.com. You can check that out. And if I can help you in any way, you want to have a conversation, set up a time to talk to me, I'm available. If you're, if you want to succeed, I'm there to inspire. So reach out to me and uh, we can have a conversation. Well, Shaheen, it's been such a pleasure meeting you, man. This has been, uh, the conversation went in so many different directions than I might have imagined <laughs> and all were much more pleasant than I would have thought we were going. It's, it's so good to talk to you. I'm, I don't know how we got connected. We were talking pre-show, like who originally connected us, how you ended up on the show today, but I'm very glad that we did it. I think it's uh, for the betterment of the listeners, for the betterment of me. I'm glad to know you, glad to meet you. And I look forward to maybe you and I working on some stuff together in the future. So thank you so much for being here, man. It's been an honor. Thanks. My honor. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur uh, sharing his story of success. And he defines success as freedom, the freedom to do what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want to do it. And I think that a lot of you would probably agree with that as a definition of success. I mean, the, the stories that he shared were so unbelievable, um, but they are absolutely 100% true. What he's been able to accomplish and build over these last um, you know, two decades, three decades, is, is really phenomenal what he's been able to accomplish. So congratulations to Shaheen and all his success. And I'm glad that you were able to listen today and, and uh, listen, to what he's, <laughs> listen to his story of success. Now, I want to remind you, he gave away, he's given away this course. He's got the FBA Seller Course. You go to fbasellercourse.com. That's fbasellercourse.com. And you can read about that course. It's normally $200, but you get it for free if you just email him at darkzest, that's D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S.com, and just put the real Jason Duncan in the email and say you want the course for free, and he'll send it over to you. So it's very, very nice of him to do that. And then he's got his own podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. So go over there, subscribe and listen to that. So thank you for listening today. Uh, Tune in again next week when I will interview yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.